We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my dear friend and you sweet soul. Thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing me to be part of your day. So yes, life, love, relationships can indeed be confusing and complicated. Life and love can be a roller coaster. Our days can be filled with ups and downs, wins and losses, successes and failures, and what can often appear to be rewards and punishments. It has been said the only thing consistent in this world is change. I think the spiritual muscle we can all benefit from working out is learning to live from our center and choosing to become more like a witness on this crazy ride of earthly reality. If we allow ourselves to depend solely on outer reality, transient events, and this roller coaster ride, our happiness and sense of safety will be limited and fleeting. What is helpful to remember is that our essential nature does not need to depend on our outer circumstances. Our higher nature and who we are at the very center of ourselves does not fluctuate. In the very center of ourselves and the truest truth of who we are is calm and stillness. In truth, we are peace and we are love. Here to talk about more about these truths and important subject is my wise and wonderful guest, John Adago. John has studied philosophy for over 45 years and led groups in the study of economics and meditation and philosophy. He's been a successful businessman, builder, and entrepreneur. He's also the author of East Meets West and a wonderful new book entitled Ancient Wisdom Can Enrich Your Life Today. He's been interviewed on over 50 radio stations and lectured around the country, and we're so lucky to have him back for a third episode in our series today on Journey to Center. Thank you so much for saying yes to this conversation, John. Well, thank you for having me, Tammy. Absolutely. So to continue in the vein of this conscious conversation, I want to talk about how life is difficult. Buddha has said life is suffering. It doesn't seem there's really any way around that to avoid that. I don't think it's possible to get through life without experiencing some challenges and some confusion and some heartbreak. But you talk about difficulties being useful and maybe even necessary for self-development. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, yes. I mean, it's, it's no secret that there are discomforts and a fair amount of pain involved in life. But there are a lot, there's a lot of pain and suffering that is unnecessary. Uh, one of the teachers I studied was a man by the name of Aspensky, a philosopher. And he said, the first thing we have to give up is our unnecessary suffering. Um, the discomfort and pain that arises um, for which we really get no benefit because we're preoccupied with thoughts and things and feelings and conflicting desires that are not worth pursuing. So one needs to learn to discern, to discriminate what it is that one actually wants. Uh, what is it that I believe 
will actually fulfill me, will bring well-being. We need to begin to not be uh, driven by our desires because they're just habits, but rather take some moments during each day to come to the stillness of myself and find a sense of well-being and from that spot move out and live my life. I love that. A subject you touch upon in your book, I um, really appreciate it. And it's something that's talked about a lot, um, is the um, tenant of the ego. The ego and why it's not necessarily the bad guy. A lot of um, teachers will say that the ego is something that we need to surrender. But you say ego is necessary for survival. It is to be used to interact with creation, but it must be kept under observation. Can you talk about that a little bit? We're all born with a survival instinct. It's this instinct that allows us to go out and acquire what it is that we need to meet our needs and also to pursue what we desire, what we think will fulfill us. But this survival instinct gets blown way out of proportion. <laughs> um, we begin to mm -hmm. act as if I am the central and most important thing in the mm -hmm. creation. Now, just a little bit of reason tells me that that's an absurd perspective. And yet that is the way we live our lives. We go out and look for what it is that will make me happy and fulfill my needs and desires. Right. This is a very small view. Uh, and it belittles our essential nature. Because essentially, I am something much larger than that. As I mentioned in the previous program, you know, the mind can reach out to the furthest reaches of the universe. The heart can encompass all of mankind. We can know and become familiar with magnificent ideas and concepts of beauty and joy and unity. But those are not the places where we tend to live most of our lives. We tend to pursue the desire or habit of the moment. We need, it is useful, and what the Master teachers taught and what I speak about in Ancient Wisdom Can Enrich Your Life Today, is the Master teachers spoke about this universal need for men to reach their full potential. And when I say men, I mean men and women. We speak about <laughs> mankind. That we reach the highest and fullest possibilities of a human being. Now, the master teachers taught people how to do that. And when I speak of the master teachers, I'm speaking of... Moses and Jesus and Socrates and Confucius and Krishna uh, and many others, men who 
aspired to and became much more than what we call the normal human condition. And probably what we recognize most as a common denominator is the capacity of these people to love. Mm -hmm. These beings reached out and embraced the entire human family. Mm. Our perspective tends to be to care about ourselves and the few people that are closest to us. It takes a bit of an effort to learn the art of love, the art of devoting ourselves to caring to everyone and everything that we encounter. And I love that you're bringing up that word, devotion. And you write, through devotion, we surrender the ego. One kneels and acknowledge, acknowledges something larger and greater. I think that is so beautiful. And I actually want to use that as the, a prompt for my next meditation. So um, can you talk a little bit about what devotion means to you, John? That's not an easy question, Tammy. <laughs> You've never said that to me before. You've had no problem answering any of my questions. This is fantastic. <laughs> well, you know, the wise say we're always devoting ourselves to something. <laughs> Unfortunately, most of the time, we're not really aware of what it is we're devoting ourselves to. Right. We're always nurturing something. When we get angry, we feed anger. When we practice generosity or compassion, it's something that affects the people around us and that vibration is likely to be carried on. So this question of, well, what am I devoting myself to now, right now? Um, even if I say I'm taking care of myself, well, there are different aspects of myself. There are lower and higher urges and impulses. It's been said that man is created in the image of God, that in essence there is a divine nature, as well as a very human physical nature. And the question is, is what is it that we're devoting ourselves to? What are the parts that we wish to develop? What is the finer? because we want to learn to let go of the coarser and pursue the finer. And not for any idealistic reason, because it's that impulse that leads us to fulfillment and well-being. We say in seeking unity with a greater and larger good, we find harmony with ourselves and others in the world. And I think that is truth. We can perceive ourselves as separate and live from that place of self-importance, like you were talking about earlier. Or we can understand that we're part of something larger and start to identify more with the fact that we are souls. I like to see that as a capital S. Rather than being self-serving in a small way, be serving of self in a large way. And to me, that has certainly brought me a sense of of comfort and peace that I hadn't known prior to opening my mind to this devotion to that something greater. 
Yes, and that something greater lives in everyone we meet. Yes. Um, so, you know, a part of this work toward a conscious life or toward aspiring to reach my full potential is what we call work on myself. And that's meditation and contemplation and study and good company. We learn to take care of ourselves and learn perhaps through meditation to rest in a quieter, fuller sense of our being. But there's a second aspect of that, of the work, and that's to work on the self and others. Mm. That we, when we meet another man or woman, we acknowledge that the essence of that individual, that self is the same essence and self that I call myself. That the life force that makes his heart beat is the same as mine. That the consciousness that animates that being that I see standing before me is the same consciousness that animates my being and the same consciousness that is the creative and the sustaining force of every manifestation. And the beauty is, I can know that. And for me, it seemed like it needed to start with an intellectual knowing before it became imbued and embodied in a deep way. It seems like it has to, we have to crack our mind open before it can like really permeate into our entire being. Does it, does it have to be that way? I, I think you're describing the process for most of us. I mean, we begin to inquire, to study, to perhaps seek out people that we think are wiser or in some way better than I am. Mm-hmm. And I, I look somehow to their example for some clues or some guidance. Because in the beginning, I'm just looking to see how to get out of my own way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, that was important. But from, <laughs> and, but from this inquiry, there's, there's a striving. I strive to be more than what, how I find myself to be. Uh, I, I strive to be a man or woman of substance. It can be of use to myself and to others. And that's such a good feeling, you know, you know, getting out of our own way. It did feel like I would battle myself to a standstill a lot. Like it felt like my foot was on the accelerator and brakes at the same time in my life. And I just spun around and made a mess and didn't get anywhere. And I do feel now that the wind is at my back and I'm congruent and life is happening with so much more grace. And I don't know when exactly that happened. I feel it was probably a slow process to get to this place, but it does feel I'm finally figuring this reality out. This isn't an easy planet, John. (laughs) No, it's not. This free will Um, and choice thing. It's not an easy thing. (laughs) uh, Life requires work. Work is defined in physics as force against resistance. Now, the force is is this will I summon to be more than how I find myself, to be better, to Mm -hmm. be finer. Mm -hmm. And the resistance is clearly my habits and my selfishness and these conflicting desires that push and pull me through the day. Somehow I, through... For me, through beginning to study the master teachers and then seek out the company of other people who are also looking to 
you'll live a finer and fuller life. I love that. Yes. And that, finer and fuller life. I love that. And, and you know, this is because the master teachers, their their work was conscious labor, and then they sacrificed for others. I mean, this wisdom that we have all been exposed to through the wise teachers we've studied, through the religious leaders that have inspired us, through the prophets and through the philosophers. This this wisdom that and goodness that we received was a gift. It was made possible by the labors and sacrifice of others. Mm-hmm. It wasn't free. And so we're part of a hierarchy that are being uplifted by those that know more and have refined their being to a, a finer, better place where there's more goodness. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's not for us, for our own enrichment, but it's so that we may then pass it on. Yes. I love that. I, I once had a, an experience during meditation. I was sitting meditating, and off in the distance, I heard a church bell ring. And it occurred to me that the man in the church ringing that bell wasn't doing it for himself. And he was sending out a sound, a very pleasant, beautiful sound, that was uplifting people from miles around him. <laughs> and that really needs to be the thought of how we live our life. If I'm sitting in meditation repeating a mantra, it's really a vibration that's enriching the environment around me. It's not just uplifting my life, but it's uplifting, hopefully, through my thoughts, feelings, and actions, the lives of everyone I encounter. Yes. That's what we strive for, because we know that somehow this is the only way to be fulfilled. Right. Yes, the rippling out of love. And that's exactly why I do this show, to have conscious conversations that I find very enriching and fulfilling, but to also ripple it out to anyone and everyone that maybe longs for a more refined and fulfilling way to live. So here's another beautiful quote. There's two more that I really want to get to during our trilogy here. You talk about the low road versus the high road. The low road is where people blame others and circumstances. The high road is to seek error within oneself and through self-examination. Obstacles become an occasion for learning and inner enrichment. This is how we go higher. This is how we start to ripple out more truth and love in the world. So the obstacles aren't the enemy, but rather can be looked at as opportunities and our teachers. Hmm. Yes, there's a wonderful quote from Shakespeare. It says, the fault lies not within the stars, but within ourselves. Yes. And so as we meet the events of our life, uh, they may be pleasant or unpleasant. 
they may lead to comfort or they may lead to struggle, but they all have the possibility of leading to a deeper understanding of myself. Because ultimately what I'm learning in this life is to live in accordance with a higher law. And I think that is where um, true peace and fulfillment come from, is that higher law, that higher order, that higher nature. Well, it certainly doesn't come from our lower nature. Now, I tried that. I tried tried that from every angle and perspective. It was just, there was no peace. That's right. (laughs) I I think we all have. It's part of growing up, you know? Mm -hmm. It's part of growing up. You know, the good really is one. <laughs> that's but right. I guess well, part of you did, or I wouldn't have. <laughs> that's right. Well, the good is one, and the pleasant another. Ah, nice. And we we get to choose, and the good will lead to fulfillment and happiness, and the pleasant leads to something very transitory and often becomes the opposite. Mm-hmm. For sure. So I want to get to this quote because it's one of my very favorites, and there's so many that, uh, that I've uh, highlighted and marked in your book. You talk about surrendering attachment, and you said it comes with motivation, surrendering attachment, which comes from motivation or self-interest. And it says, if you love either one person or everybody and it's not reciprocated, it makes no difference to real love. Self-assertion does not exist in real love. True love brings equilibrium. If your love embraces the cosmos, cosmic consciousness looks after you. I just took a deep breath when I read that because, again, it resonated so deeply as profound truth. And that is my experience. Cosmic consciousness does look after me. I'm astonished by how gentle and graceful life is for me now. And I think it is because I have looked to my higher nature and higher order and soul self, not just in me, but in others and, and in the animating force of the universe. And to me, this is true fulfillment. Yes. Um, what emanates from the sun is a centripetal force. From the sun emanates light and warmth and life, and it supports everything that revolves around it. And it's not looking for anything in return. Now, this is, this is a rather high level of being. It's not something that happens habitually or mechanically. It's an art that we begin to learn and practice, and it takes a lifetime to master. But the joy and fulfillment comes in seeing everything around us thrive and grow. Mm. And for me, that's... You know, I don't don't often use the word happiness. For me, it's well-being. Mm. Um, I look for well-being. And seeing the things around me thrive uh, brings great well-being. <laughs> I feel I'm thriving in your presence, John. Hmm. <laughs> A quote from Scripture comes to mind. He maketh the sun to shine on the rich and the poor, on the good and the bad. Um, And then the injunction is, seek ye to be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
when you speak of unconditional love, that's really what we're speaking about. We're speaking yes. about taking care of all and everything. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we're that we accept every form of behavior that presents itself to us. Because there's a lot of behavior that's just simply not useful and bad. And we need to discriminate and discern. But that doesn't mean that we have to reject the essential self of the human being in front of us. Yes. There's a very cute cartoon that I am fond of, and it depicts a, a man and a woman and a child standing in front of a house that's burning down. And the caption reads, yes, Johnny, we still love you. We just don't like what you did. <laughs> you can love a person but not always love their behavior. Well, that's correct. Yes. In fact, if you're with intelligence and real love, you have to discriminate the behavior. It is true. So to my friends that have been hanging out with us today, I am so grateful for your presence. And I know that you've received great nurturing from John today. And if you want to pick up a copy of his book, they're available on Amazon, East Meets West. And my new favorite book, Ancient Wisdom, Can Enrich Your Life Today. Invest in a highlighter and go through and highlight the things that resonate for you. And, and I know, just like for me, it can support you in going higher in your consciousness with grace and ease and joy. And like John said, be like the sun and shine. And thank you, John, for having this conversation with us here today and blessing us and our listeners with your warmth and your wisdom and your kindness. You are a blessing. I appreciate well, you immensely. And let me just mention my website, thejourneyback.net, where I can oh, be perfect. contacted through that as well. Thejourneyback.net. Very good. Tammy, so, thank my you listeners, very much. It was a pleasure to speak with you and your audience. You are a gift and a blessing. And to my listeners, you are a gift and a blessing in my life. Be in touch with me, TammyBPhD.com. You're in our heart and our prayers. God bless you as you ascend in your consciousness onward and upward. Bye for now. Thank you.